Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carroll, and today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Market, which is an online marketplace for all of your healthy food options. If you go to summitforwellness.com slash thrive, you can get 25% off your first order and free shipping. So go check it out today. Now, in this episode, we will be discussing uh, health issue that a lot of people suffer from, and we see commercials for topical creams for it all of the time, and that would be eczema. And as we see all these topical creams come out, it makes you wonder, are we treating the symptom of something, or is the cream treating the root cause? And that's why I brought on my guest today, Dr. Stephanie Davis, who has a functional approach to eczema. Now, she herself also had eczema, and that is what kind of forced her into a position to try and figure out what are some ways to better handle the treatment options that are out there for eczema. So let's dive right into the conversation with Dr. Stephanie Davis and find out what the functional approach to eczema is. Dr. Stephanie Davis was a microbiologist and a biochemistry researcher before entering chiropractic school. She also has extensive training from the Institute of Functional Medicine, the Kalish Mentorship Program, the Hashimoto's Institute, and Ben Lynch's Seeking Health Educational Institute. Thank you, Stephanie, for coming on to the show. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, one thing that kind of stood out from your bio to me is that you are a microbiologist and a biochemist, and I would love to hear a little bit more about uh, what brought you into the research field. So I essentially my whole life wanted to be a doctor. You know, that was from the get-go. I've been super interested just in medicine and science and things like that. So um, I, you know, chose a major that I could use for pre-med. But when I was an undergrad, I realized that I really did not like the the way medicine was practiced. You know, I had um, I had friends whose parents were doctors, and they had expressed some kind of displeasure with the the system and how they felt like they couldn't give patients the care that they deserved. And I saw that, you know, in the at the university hospitals. I went to Ohio State for my undergrad, and while obviously, you know, it's a great um, you know academic institution, and they've got great hospitals. They just, again, you know, people coming in for, you know, chronic illnesses, they just, you can't get to the root of a chronic illness with, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes with a doctor. So I was frustrated with that. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do? So I took my degrees and, you know, kind of just went and did research because there's not much you can do with those degrees, um, especially I'd say back then, other than, you know, kind of doing research or, or teaching, um, you know, stuff in that realm. So I did research and at first I, I liked it. You know, I was, um, I worked for a couple of fortune 500 companies and I was in a microbiology capacity there largely, um, doing all sorts of testing, um, on organisms and, you know, 
learning a lot and it actually translates now to the technology that we use for stool samples and you know we incorporated some of that same uh type of technology so that was that's useful to me but it got boring and i also really didn't like being just kind of a number i didn't feel like i was contributing much to the world um so then i translated over to university research at the university um, of Minnesota Medical School. And that's where I did some more of that kind of, it was in the Department of Microbiology, but did, it was more like biochemistry research, um, actually on Bordetella pertussis and act, how it actually infects humans. Um, so that was uh, pretty cool, but academic research is really isolating and slow. So I was like, you know, I kind of felt that urge to want to go back into medicine. And I knew I wanted to do something natural that, you know, looked at root causes. And that's kind of how I got to, um, you know, leaving the research field and moving into uh, functional medicine. Do you feel that starting off with research better prepared you to be able to dig into uh, more information about different health topics now? I would say yes, in many ways it has served me well. Like I said before, a lot of the technology that we used is actually what they use with stool samples and, and some of the other testing that they do out there with regard to like the gut and immune, immunology. And so it's good for me because now I know what companies are doing on the back end um, and I can ask, you know, the right questions. But also, you know, from the standpoint of understanding research and digging a little deeper than, you know, kind of some of the superficial stuff that's out there, I feel like, yeah, it's definitely given me a great base. And I, we actually, I use it today. You know, I use all of that knowledge and that's kind of why I, I started off in functional medicine kind of as gut and immune system specific. And I obviously have translated that into, you know, kind of specifying an eczema. Now that's just a way, uh, just, you know, another name for working on, you know, the, the gut and the immune system, because that's so much of where the root causes of eczema lie. But I just, you know, for myself suffering from it and seeing all of the people, so many of the people that I've worked with in the past, um, having eczema as one of their chief complaints, as well as gut or immune system issues, uh, you know, that's, it, it, it has definitely served me well. And since you have had eczema yourself, can you talk about what it was like uh, going through the different symptoms of eczema? <laughs> yes, it was not fun. Because at first, you know, even though you're trained in this, you know, you go to school, um, you know, and I don't, a lot of people don't know this, but in chiropractic school, you still take similar to, you know, medical school and naturopathic school, um, you know, you take a year of basic sciences, and you take a year of clinical sciences, and then you go into your specialty. And that kind of builds up for your knowledge base to understand these conditions. Like you're going to take things like histology and pathology, and then eventually take dermatology. And so in my brain, I obviously know all this stuff. And when I see it in patients, it's easy for me to identify. But on myself, you know, it's for me, I it started off on my hands and my hands started getting a little bit red and then they had these little dots on it. And I'm like, huh, OK, this is, you know, interesting and new. And it was really itchy. And it eventually, you know, it started off just kind of, you know, pink and, and bumpy and itchy. And then the more I scratched, the worse it got. And it literally turned into like full blown eczema. And it happened at a time in my life when I was really, really stressed out. I was like, you know, I would say one of the peak stressed, you know, times in my life. And there's no surprise to me that it happened. Then it just 
it took me a little while to identify it in myself. And that's when I was just like, huh, I really need to start looking at this deeper in my patients because I knew that it was horrible for me because people see your skin and they're like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Even though we know obviously eczema isn't contagious, that's the way people look at you. And then you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go out in public. <laughs> you want to kind of stay behind closed doors. Since it was on my hands, I didn't want to touch, you know, touch anyone or shake hands. And even my little one, like little, they see stuff like that. You know, little kids are really brutally honest and he would kind of recoil and be like, oh, what's on mommy's hands? And, you know, it's, it was not fun. And I would say to kind of add salt to the wound it's because I was in such a stress place, I was breaking out too. So my face was breaking out, my hands and my, it ended up going to my feet too. Feet were breaking out as well. So it was just, it was kind of a nightmare there for a while. And at that moment, did you correlate it to stress or were you still trying to figure out why is this all happening to me? I knew just because of my training that stress was probably my primary trigger, but just because of, you know, the functional medicine training, I knew that I was going to have to dig deeper into um, treating it. But I would say I didn't take that approach at first. Um, I think a lot of functional medicine practitioners, and I'd say, you know, just healthcare practitioners in general, um, we kind of, I'd say compartmentalize or kind of put to, you know, put to the side our symptoms or, or treating ourselves um, and focus on treating other people. So I was doing the bare minimum at first, you know, I started kind of tweaking my diet a little bit, taking out some foods and, you know, using some topical salves and, you know, that helped a little bit, um, you know, playing with probiotics and a couple of anti-inflammatories and that all helped a little bit, but it would kind of, it would go away a little bit. Um, but not completely. And then it would cycle, you know, I would go through anytime I got the least bit, you know, stressed. And like I said, it, when it flared initially, it was in a time that was, there was a lot of stress in my life. And that was like waxing and waning because I was, there was a lot of transition in my world. And um, there were things that kept on coming up that would cause me stress. And every time I got stressed, it would get worse. So eventually I, I probably did that for about I want to say six months and six, I want to say six to eight months. And then I was just like, really, you need to do what you do for your patients. So I actually did the whole gamut of testing that I typically do on my patients that would come in for something like this. And that's how I got to the bottom of it. I found a lot of underlying causes for me. Yeah, I think one of the most powerful things for a practitioner is to go through the same things that their patients go through. So for mm -hmm. you going through um, having the eczema symptoms and then having that opportunity to test different things and see, is this going to work? Nope. Is this going to work? And go through that whole process and then to sit down and really break it down like you would if you were a patient. I think that's a phenomenal way to really be able to connect with the patients that you do have. Yeah, it really is because you, I, and before, I mean, I got into functional medicine because I was frustrated with the system to begin with. You know, I myself had, you know, suffered my whole life. I had, you know, allergies and I had, you know, hormonal issues in my teens and then early 20s and migraines. And I, was on, I had all the post birth control issues. And that was one of my main reasons for, you know, doing what I do. And I also had some gut issues. So it all kind of, you know, I, I understood where people were coming from, but it really wasn't until I had eczema that I was like, wow, I'm like, this, this issue is 
profound because nobody really talks about it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where people can see it on the outside, you know, with eczema and psoriasis and dermatitis, any of the various types of dermatitis, you know, that you can see that on the outside and people respond to it. And it adds another psychological dimension to it that I think is super important to address that, you know, I'd say in functional medicine, we're getting better at making sure that, you know, that psychological and kind of trauma piece is addressed but it's still one of the more underserved areas of treatment. And I wanted to make sure that I was, um, you know, getting through, getting to people and talking to people about this, because I know I, I told, I tell my patients, I'm like, I felt like a leper. I wanted to hide. I did not want to be in public. I want, you know, I just, I did not want to have people staring at me. Um, you know, even in my own, you know, family, I had people who kind of like look awkwardly and be like, what's that? You know, it's, it, that is not fun. And that adds a whole other layer to having a chronic illness because most of the people that come to me with eczema, eczema is part of, you know, their many, um, you know, chief complaints on why they're coming in. It's usually eczema coming in with hormone imbalances or eczema with auto other autoimmune conditions and eczema with GI issues. So that's, that's actually how I started, you know, seeing a lot of people with eczema in the first place was because it was part of their issues. And I've seen so many GI people, eczema is typically something that would accompany so many different GI conditions. And you, you've mentioned a few times now that uh, a lot of times it starts out on the hands or you see it a lot on the hands. Is there a specific reason why it's on the hands so much? Um, it's, you know what, they don't know that. And that's not something that any of us know. That's something that I've actually talked to some of my colleagues and other um, specialties about more, more of the people who are in um, like Chinese medicine, because I have a feeling that it probably has, you know, where, where it manifests for you most commonly probably does tie back to something systemically. But I'd say right now, obviously, conventional medicine doesn't have an idea why that is. And functional medicine, I mean, we know where the root causes are coming from, but we don't necessarily know why they're, it's showing up in certain places. Um, I will say this about it's the type of eczema you get on your hands and feet is called dyshydrotic eczema. And that particular type of eczema, I think part of it is the fact that we wash our hands so often and our hands are, our hands touch everything. So you have a lot of opportunity to have a reaction there. But I think that, you know, me having little ones and then also, you know, when I was working um, in an office, when I had a brick and mortar practice, you know, you're washing your hands a lot. So I think that that tends to be an issue with the, the dyshydrotic eczema. But, you know, I'd say as we don't necessarily know why um, that, you know, it shows up, you know, some people get it on their hands and feet most often. Other people get it, um, you know, on their, you know, the basically inside of their arms and on their wrists and, you know, backs of their knees. Some people actually get it on their other sides of, you know, their knees and on their bellies and things like that. We don't know exactly why, but I have a feeling if, if there's a place that's going to know about it, it's probably somewhere in Chinese medicine that probably has some kind of correlation. Right. There's a lot of roots that go back to Chinese medicine, and it's kind of interesting how much uh, of the functional medicine practices that are coming out now have mm -hmm. roots that stem back to that traditional Chinese medicine. So yeah. it's kind of cool to see it all come back around. 
Absolutely. I think we have a lot that we can learn from traditional Chinese medicine. So you've mentioned conventional medicine and functional medicine a little bit. Mm -hmm. Can you go into a little bit more detail about the differences between conventional treatments and functional treatments? Sure. Just so that uh, people understand what the di those differences are. Yeah. So to give you an, like a kind of a, a broad stroke overview, I would say that, you know, conventional medicine tends to look at issues in isolation where functional medicine looks at, you know, the it, it's more of a systems based approach, looking at all aspects of, you know, your, your body systems. I always tell people to kind of imagine a tree and that's why you'll see you know, a tree on my website and some of my blog posts, I, I kind of use the, the tree as, as the picture because it really does illustrate the, a great difference between conventional me medicine and functional medicine. Because, you know, if, if you were to say, you know, use the tree analogy, the conventional medicine is really going to be looking at one branch where functional medicine is going to look at the roots, the trunk, all of the branches, and even kind of in, in other, in some cases, go all the way out to, you know, to the leaves because that's what you need to do to get to the root causes of what's going on. Um, and so as that would translate to treatment, you know, when I was told that I had eczema, I mean, I knew it, I just wanted somebody that I knew to confirm it for me. And they're like, yeah, you have eczema. And it was somebody I knew that um, was they, they're a medical, a medical professional who did some, you know, holistic medicine, but not a ton and was just basically, yeah, there's not a whole lot of, you know, we, we don't know many causes of it. You know, you can try maybe tweaking your diet, taking suggested taking out some of the major allergens. Um, but was like, you know, there's no known cause, you know, no exactly defined known cure. So I was not happy with that answer. And I was like, since I knew, know everything that I know, I was like, you know, I'm going to dig into this further. And I, I mean, I knew from my training that, you know, it can be anything from, you know, you're going to have the, the gut issue because most people who have eczema do have a leaky gut because to actually express, um, you know, eczema in the autoimmune focused way you would have the genetic predisposition. And I do know that I have some of the genetic predisposition for having that because I do have a family history of allergies, asthma, and eczema, which is the allergic triad. That's something we look for in, um, you know, when, when I'm taking a history on somebody because that gives you an increased likelihood um, if you or any of your family members have that. Um, you've got a genetic predisposition for having eczema. Um, the leaky gut, um, I have, you know, gone back and forth with that. And if you're really, really stressed out, there's a really good chance you're going to have a leaky gut because um, in, basically the stress process creates inflammatory chemicals that are going to cause a leaky gut. And then you have to dive into, you know, what else is going on in the gut? You know, the, can it be, um, you know, just general dysbiosis, which is going to be an imbalance between the good organisms and the bad organisms in the gut. Do you have an overt gut infection? Is there an autoimmune process? You know, you've got to walk through nutrients and nutrient absorption, um, specifically regarding eczema, um, your fat soluble vitamins like A, vitamins A, D, E, and K are going to be really important as is like vitamin C is going to be important as well. Um, minerals such as like zinc and magnesium and iron and fish oil, because that's, you know, those really good healthy fats are going to be 
really important to having um, good, um, you know, just cell function and good integrity of your skin, um, making sure you're absorbing your proteins. And then, you know, those are some of the more basic um, root causes. I mean, you can get into a lot of people have hormone, dis you know, imbalances, not just in, you know, the stress hormones, but thyroid and um, sex hormones. So estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone can also, um, you know, cause, have underlying causes for, for eczema. Um, and then you can get into like some really, really deep stuff that I won't necessarily get into right now, but it's looking at like some, some really in-depth biochemistry. So like some mitochondrial func uh, function, and you're looking at uh, like organic acids testing, um, that type of stuff. And then also, um, you know, getting into the deep into the genetics. Um, like if somebody were to do a 23andMe, I mean, there, there are a lot of issues. And then like you and I talked about uh, before the call, you know, we were talking about, you know, SIBO and some of the other, um, you know, issues that can be major underlying causes. So what we, what we typically call like hidden infections, um, that they will be things like, you know, mold or, um, you know, the mycotoxins from mold or Lyme or, you know, tick-borne illnesses, things like that. There's just a very wide array of what the root causes can be. And, you know, we basically have to, you know, look, you know, if you're looking on that tree, you're looking at every branch and every leaf to try to figure out what's going on. But in, in my practice, um, myself and the other practitioners, we take a very systemic, you know, we have a systematized approach because we kind of do it in two tiers of, of testing because for the vast majority of people, you're going to be able to do it, figure out all of their causes with um, some, you know, basic testing. Um, for, uh, I'd say about 25% of the people we work with, um, they're going to require maybe a little bit more digging. Um, and that's usually pretty evident from the from the beginning, but not always. Yeah, and for people listening in, this might sound very overwhelming to them, but that's why you go to someone like yourself, who's a practitioner that focuses on trying to figure out where these root causes are. And yeah. you were talking about that in your practice, you break down everything into systems. Yeah. When you're looking at all the possible root causes, are you also breaking those down into categories as well? Or are you just sticking to those two systems you were talking about before? No, we, we, we basically are looking at categories, just like the functional medicine model would look at, you know, you've got everything that's going on, um, you know, in the gut. Um, so that's anything from, you know, the leaky gut to, you know, dysbiosis or the imbalance in the good, good and bad organisms to GI infections to your gut function purely, you know, are you, um, do you make enough, um, you know, digestive enzymes or stomach acid or bile to actually have proper um, digestion? So we're looking at all of those we're, and like detoxification, we're, that's a huge one for eczema. We're, we're looking at, you know, your detoxification functions. We're, we're basically looking at everyone, everything. When somebody comes in, we kind of do a, a, an initial, the initial testing that we order is definitely a broad stroke approach that so that we can get a good snapshot of what's going on in the entire body. At that moment, we don't necessarily do like a lot of really super in-depth uh, testing. Like at that point, we typically don't go for testing for things like mold or lime or heavy metals or some of the kind of the deeper issues. 
Um, unless somebody's history is kind of screaming that, then because you know for sure that it's probably an issue, we might go testing there first. But like I said, typically for most people, by you know looking at the gut and the immune system and the detox and and nutrients um, and just you know cell function, basic cell function, um, you're going to be able to help the vast majority of people. There's only that smaller segment where we kind of have to, you know, escalate to that second tier of testing where we have to go to some of the the bigger um, root causes. Right. And that, taking that broad approach too is a lot cheaper for the patients as well. Because once you start digging into mold and Lyme and yes. a lot more comprehensive testing, it can get very expensive. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I always tell people. Just because I... The way I approach treatment for people is the way I would approach it for myself. And I always try to, you know, look for the test that's going to yield the most information for us to basically validate what I've heard on somebody's history. Patients tell you what's going on. You know, most of most of the diagnosis is in the history and you use the tests to verify that and to also gain some, you know, knowledge pieces um, that you will need to inform your treatment. But that's essentially why we do that. I'm usually looking for the tests that give you the most bang for your buck because I, yeah, if you were to do all of that testing up front, um, you know, if you suspected there might be heavy metals or suspected there might be mold, you could get those tests back and they would have maybe come out negative and you would have spent a whole lot of money on that. So that's why we take the approach that we're, we're doing. We try to be... Um, practical about it and and keep in mind the cost. Have you found some main starting points that seems to be the most prominent within your patients? Uh, yeah. So typically when we build treatment plans, we are kind of going from the ground up. So what I tell people is, you know, if, if you're thinking about your, your body as troops, I'm like, you want to fortify your troops before you go into battle. And that's essentially what you're doing to your for yourself. So what we're looking at the, at the beginning is basically tweaking and supporting just good biochemistry. So we're looking at you know, supporting um, the cells and the cell membranes and repleting basic nutrients. So your vitamins and minerals and fatty acids um, and electrolytes and things like that. Um, so we're usually doing that at the same time we're trying to work on, you know, getting the inflammation down. And then also the next thing we would move into is, you know, more like detox. For depending upon the person, you can work on all of those things at once, but some people we have to segment that out a little bit. And then from there, we usually work on, you know, balancing the hormones and working on the gut. Um, and when I say gut, usually I, we're working on the gut and the immune system at the same time. And that's how we do our treatment plans. We basically have people, you know, do something for about six to eight weeks at a time. Um, and then we keep on, you know, revising the treatment plan because I don't like the approach where you throw the whole kitchen sink at somebody at once and, you know, say, hey, I'll, I'll see you in three months or six months because that is, it's hard for somebody to wrap their brain around and it's hard for your body to figure out, you know, what am I doing with this abundance of, you know, either 
you know, food or supplements, or, you know, sometimes we'll use like the medical foods or protein powders. Um, you know, that's a whole lot to be throwing at somebody. So if you segment out the treatment, I think it works better. And you also have um, less uh, side effects because when you're working through this with eczema, especially, or any other autoimmune issue, you can have some minor flare-ups while you're working through the process. I'd especially, I'd especially say people who have detoxification or lymphatic drainage problems, um, they're, they're probably going to have a few flares or, you know, kind of basically, I would say just bumps in the road in treatment. And that happens for everybody. You know, what I tell people is, you know, what's going to happen is we'll get into treatment. You're going to have, you know, it'll, you'll start to feel some, you know, symptoms. You'll have some good days. You'll have some bad days, but as you move through, the good days are going to become more, you know, more frequent and the bad days are going to become less. And, and I tell, I give them an honest time um, estimate too, because this is not something that goes away overnight. If you talk to people who have truly, you know, put their eczema into remission, most people will say that it takes anywhere from, you know, nine months to two years. Um, and that's, that's a realistic, ex, uh, you know, estimate. And I'm totally upfront with people about that. You know, you make a really good point about not throwing the whole kitchen sink at a protocol because what happens is, like you were mentioning, that could stress a body out, which mm -hmm. can kind of defeat the purpose. But also, it can be really defeating to the patient as well because it's so overwhelming, everything that they have to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's some, And that's something we try to avoid because, you know, working through this is hard enough you know, let alone dealing with that, you know, having a treatment plan blow up uh, on you. So, um, and that's something that we always tell people when we're working through things. We, um, I always say we can dial things back if the symptoms are becoming, you know, overwhelming to you or you feel like any at any point, you know, even mentally it's becoming overwhelming. We can dial things back because, um, you know, the point is to get through it. You know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Another thing I really like that you mentioned is um, trying to provide more of the uh, micronutrients into the protocols as well, the vitamins and the minerals and other nutrients as well. Because a lot of people, they just think, let's cut out the gluten, let's cut out the dairy, and that, yeah. that's going to fix everything. But that's not necessarily the case. No, it's funny because if you, that was for me, my diet was already clean. And I know um, a lot of other people I know that have eczema that are kind of in the, you know, healthcare provider space, um, a lot of us had already done that. Um, I, because I follow a, you know, a paleo style diet, I had already eliminated all of the major, you know, allergens from my diet. And mine was pure, mine, while I do have issues that might tend to be more with histamine, you know, it was, it was definitely not the diet that was my main, my main problem. It was, you know, stress and some of the other underlying imbalances. And I think that that is a misconception out there. A very big one is that, you know, you can eat, you can have, you know, creams or emollients or lotions or potions that are going to fix it. That's not really going to help. And, you know, cleaning up your diet will definitely help to some extent, but it's likely not going to solve the problem. You know, I feel like those, those two, when people resolve their eczema with topicals or with, um, you know, with, with diet, those are kind of like the unicorns out there. <laughs> you know, it's usually a lot deeper than that. And you have to do a lot of, um, you know, turning over all the right stones to figure it out. 
And you've mentioned detoxification quite a few times now. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about why that process is so important? Yes. So basically, I don't think people think about this, but your skin is one of your major detoxification organs. And I don't think people think about like the relatedness between the gut and the basically the gut and the immune system, because let's be honest, they're they're very tied together. And then the the liver and the, their interplay with the skin, because if you think about it, your skin um, it's a barrier organ, just like your gut is. Your gut, you know, is a is a barrier organ, and it also, um, you know, allows nutrients selectively in and keeps them out. That is exactly what your skin does, um, and it also your skin also has immune cells in it too, very very similar to the gut. And then your liver, its its goal is to detoxify. You know, take any of the wastes that come in from the outside or wastes you generate through your own metabolism, and eliminate those. And it's going to eliminate that through urine and feces and through you know sweating. And so that's where you know there's a marriage between all of those areas of the body. And so when you have issues in the gut and the liver you're going to often show it's, it'll show up on your skin in the form of, you know, anywhere from acne to redness to a, a rash or on the extreme end, you know, ex eczema or psoriasis, but making sure that you have the ability to take the toxins that are in your body, transform them into things that are more inert and effectively eliminate them through the gut and through the skin is a really important process. And lots of times that's a missing piece for people, whether it's because of, um, you know, they're, they don't have the right nutrients, those, you know, we do some, um, you know, genetic testing to figure out sometimes in, in certain people why those processes aren't working very well, um, if they're too inflamed, if they've got too much of an inflammatory burden, or they've got um, really bad hormone imbalances, that can cause a problem there. So there's a lot of reasons why, you know, detox is not working. Um, also, if you just if you have a, a high body toxin burden from um, other things, not just, you know, the, the normal everyday, um, you know, toxins that you would, you know, come across in the environment and then internally, you know, if you've been, um, you know, storing toxins like heavy metals in your body or um, we're now, you know, you're now seeing the effects of um, some of the pesticides out there and, you know, all of that type of stuff, all of that can, you know, hinder the detoxification process too. Yeah. And like you were saying, with the genetic testing, you can check out the methylation pathways and a lot of other yeah. factors that all play a role. But I love that you're looking into the detoxification pathway because that's one of the areas that I see a lot of people need a lot of help with. And it's so important for the body to function the way that it should be uh, to get the de detoxification pathways to function properly. So I'm. it's awesome to see someone else looking into that as well. So... Yeah. What are some of your favorite uh, nutrients for the liver? Uh, you know, it depends. <laughs> so I'll, <laughs> let me, I'll say there's two different ways I approach this. Um, if I have somebody who I don't have the genetics on, um, I often will have, I'll definitely have an organic acids test on them. And I will use that to see if they're depleted in some of the, you know, the B vitamins are obviously super important there. Um, oftentimes the, the population of people I see 
almost always have issues with um, glutathione not having enough, which for the audience, um, that's, you know, the master antioxidant in your body and probably one of your main detoxification pathways. Um, so we support that with glutathione and the nutrients that you need to help recycle glutathione. So things like ALA and vitamin C. Um, I also use liver support. So, um, you know, some of your herbs, I usually use combination products um, that have things like, you know, milk thistle and dandelion and things like that in them to support um, just good liver function. And then um, some of the other ones that have amino acid blends that are going to help support those actual detoxification pathways. So when I'm not dealing with somebody who has genetic information that we can look at and see some more specifics, those are usually um, some of the approaches that I'm using for, uh, you know, detoxification treatment. Awesome. That's great. So pretty much this entire podcast, you've been talking about finding the root cause. So I have a a question in regards to topical agents that a Mm -hmm. lot of conventional, uh, practitioners throw at eczema yeah is is there a place for topical agents or is it kind of a waste of time and money no i definitely think that there is a a place for it um because i mean having gone through it myself anything that can give you relief while you're treating it is is going to be helpful and i'm also i'm i'm a middle of the rotor when it comes to any kind of treatment i'm not you know a hundred percent natural or, you know, totally anti-Western medicine, I think that there is a time and a place for everything. And so that's actually some of the people I'm working with, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm, I feel like I need to use um, a short course of steroids because my flare is so bad, or they will come to me on them. And I'm like, that's okay. As long as you're not on them long term, that is totally okay. And that's, you know, if it's topical steroids, again, that's okay. Um, just short term to help you get through your daily life, you know, without you relying on them or using that as your as your treatment. Um, I think that's the case with anything, whether you're using, um, you know, herbal salves or or shea butter or you know coconut oil or you know there's if you've ever like looked at my um, my Facebook page, I've done some uh, Facebook lives on this. There's a ton of different things you can use topically naturally. Um, and even, you know, there's a lot of topicals out there now, um, in the, you know, like Eucrisa is a medication and, um, obviously the topical steroids, you know, using things short term to help you are going to be useful, but it's not something I would rely on. And the other thing that I would say, the other qualifier about topicals is, um, there's a lot of trial and error involved with them. Um, I can tell you, I don't know anybody who, you know, I can just say, Hey, try this one. And, and it usually ends up being the perfect, um, you know, match for them because everybody's skin is so different. Um, and everybody's bodies respond to different things. So there's usually a little bit of trial and error involved in figuring out, um, what topicals work best for you. Awesome. So you can use the topicals, just make sure that you are also working on the root causes as well. Yes. Okay, let's dive into uh, some fun questions here. So what are your um, routines to help yourself avoid eczema breakouts? So stress management is my number one. (laughs) And I would say I'm good about it 
90% of the time. I have two little ones. I've got a five-year-old and an eight-month-old, so sometimes stress is high. <laughs> but I would say in keeping my diet clean, I will say that when I um, – sometimes around the holidays when I stretch my diet out a little bit, I, I, I start to feel a little tiny bit itchy, um, but I can usually get it back under control. Um, but I – I definitely keep myself on a, you know, a cleaner diet just because that's the way I live. I choose to eat largely whole foods and a lot of vegetables and things like that just because it's a healthy way to live, not because um, I'm necessarily trying to avoid things. I know particularly, and I've known this probably for a long time, and I just didn't want to admit it, that corn is likely an issue for me. That's, I would say, one of my bigger issues. And if I eat too many histamine-containing foods, like really, really high histamine-containing foods, um, that can eventually become an issue for me. But that's a whole other long, long topic <laughs> that we could talk to, talk, speak to for hours. But um, those are kind of my issues. Also, you know, I think what comes um, kind of part and parcel with the, the stress levels is hormone balance. Um, I noticed when I got my hormones across the board, so thyroid, sex hormones, and um, you know your adrenal stress hormones, when I got those back into balance, I was in a good place. So those are the things I try to focus on, but really so much of it is in the lifestyle. You know, if you're sleeping right, you know, sleeping well, breathing clean air, you know, using, you know, basically low toxic load um, products, very natural, you know, products in your skincare routine and also in your home. Um, if you're moving your body and if you're, um, you know, getting out, you know, into nature, you're probably going to be in a much better place and be much less likely to have flares because I really truly believe so much of it lies in the lifestyle. You know, I, I tell people like I'm a, I'm just a piece of the puzzle. I'm a conduit for, you know, treatment. Um, but really I, what I want people to take away are the lifestyle pieces because that's, what's going to get you healthy, you know, form your base for health and keep you healthy into the future. Okay. And uh, another question for you is, do you have a morning ritual to prepare yourself for the day? And if so, what is it? <laughs> I used to before I had kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, now I'd say it's much more pared down now. If I had my way, I do like to oil pull for the, you know, the effects on, you know, detox and lymphatics, but also for the oral, um, you know, microbiome and the balance of organisms in the mouth. I do that a couple days a week. I used to do it ritually every day. Um, and I also now I basically only have time to set my intentions for the day. And I do that, and I think that's really important. I used to meditate first thing in the morning. I don't really have time to do that now, so I try to fit um, either meditation or deep breathing in um, sometime throughout the day when I have a moment of silence to myself. <laughs> but that's how I start my day off now. When you set your intentions, do you write it down, or do you just keep a mental note of it? Most of the time, it's a mental note. Sometimes I'll come, kind of come right downstairs and and write it down, you know, write it down on a piece of paper too. Um, but most of the time, it's a mental note. <laughs> All right, and one last question here: If you were walking down the street and you randomly met a stranger and you had one minute to teach them one way to take care of themselves uh, to be the healthiest them that they could possibly be, what would that be? I would tell them to 
find a spot in nature, whether it's, you know, a patch of grass, a field of flowers, or, uh, you know, a nice spot under an amazing tree. Just go there every day and sit there out in the sun, sunlight and nature for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes on a daily basis, because I feel like you're getting so many health benefits from that, you know, from the grounding effects to the, you know, the, the effects of sunlight and, you know, vitamin D production and everything that, you know, all of that being in nature does for us and how it, you know, decompresses you and takes away stress. I think that that would be the, the best thing that they could do. Does it matter if it's a small park within a big city or do they have to get out closer to like the mountains or the actual forests? I would say it could be anywhere. The, the research basically says your eyes need to be seeing nature. Um, so seeing the green and seeing the, um, you know, the, the trees and the flowers and whatever you're, you're looking at, but that's what it is. I actually think there was a study done and it was done on people in Japan in a city park. So that, um, I think it, it is just the fact that you need to be in nature and not necessarily the, the locale, but from my own experience, I'd say the deeper you can get and kind of more isolated you can get the more profound my effects probably will be. Yeah, that's what I've noticed too on our backpacking trips. That's like the best I ever feel because you're so far away from everything else and you're just breathing the clean air and drinking fresh water. It's I love it. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Okay, so on your website, drstephaniedavis.com, which I'll have links to in the show notes, you do a phenomenal job of uh, really breaking down these different um, – Uh, health scenarios that people might be going through. And I love that you're able to uh, make it really easy for people to understand. And I also know that you have a little freebie for people. Can you talk a little bit about what that freebie is? Yeah. So basically, you know, we've talked a lot about the root causes of eczema. A lot of it is in diet, and that's a good place for you to start working on things yourself where you don't necessarily have to have a practitioner. So what I have is it's a guide to the hidden um, causes of, you know, triggers and histamine um, that in your diet that you might be missing. Um, because for, auto, you know, eczema and any other autoimmune condition, um, I think there's a lot of talk out there about, um, you know, some of the superfoods and probiotics and other things that actually might be making your eczema worse, even though, you know, mainstream media will say that they're awesome for you. So this is, is a guide that helps you navigate through all of that and maybe identify some things that you can eliminate to help get your skin going in the right direction. Is that right on your homepage? Yep, it is. So what, it'll give you the option to, um, you know, basically um, put in your email address and then you'll get that report sent to you. Awesome. And what social media platforms are you on? I am on everything. I'm on, well, I shouldn't say everything. I am on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. Um, I do not have Instagram yet. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm like, I feel like there's only so much I can manage. I've, I've had it on my list of things to do, but I do not have Instagram yet. And then do you see patients in person, online, both? We see people virtually. Um, I used to only see people face to face, but I found that we can reach people, you know, all over the United States. And we actually work with international clients, too, depending upon where you are located. So we have a much wider reach being able to work virtually. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Stephanie, for coming on. I'm glad to have you on to talk about eczema and uh, ways that people can figure out how to uh, rid the eczema off of themselves. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Brian. If you would like that free guide that Dr. Stephanie set up, then go to drstephaniedavis.com and it is right there on the homepage of her website. Also, she was on uh, Eczema and Psoriasis Summit a few weeks back, so if you want to learn a lot more about eczema, then you can go check out that summit. Uh, there was a lot of really great speakers on there that are all talking about different approaches that you can take to help yourself with eczema. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really does help to get our podcast out in front of more people. So if you go to summitforwellness.com slash iTunes, it'll take you right to the page to leave us a review. Next week, we have on... Amy Slater, who is a fitness professional and also runs a blog over at Moms for Health, which is a blog teaching moms how to provide healthy options for their families and their kids, which she knows a lot about because she has two sets of twins that she is taking care of right now. So that will be next week's episode. Keep climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you next time.